everybody, and welcome to Good Morning Egg Fort, the podcast of questionable legality and even more questionable content. I am your host, Remy. My pronouns are he, him, and they, them. What is Good Morning Egg Fort exactly? What are you listening to right now? Well, it's a podcast about Dimension 20, which is a D&D actual play show. And that sure is the nerdiest thing I've ever said. Uh, if you don't know what Dimension 20 is, uh, first of all, please tell me how you got here. How did you find this? Just like, I'm certain that I only sent this to people that I know that also like Dimension 20. So if you're here and you somehow haven't heard of Dimension 20, just like, just like email me or something. I just, I'm so curious to figure out how you got here. Anyways, second of all, it is a D&D actual play series uh, from the media company College Humor. It is currently four seasons long with two side quests. That's in air quotes, you can't see me. Side quests are the equivalent of like mini-series where the normal seasons tend to have about 17 episodes. The side quests usually have around six. But what about Good Morning Eggfort? What about the thing that you're actually listening to right now? Well, Good Morning Eggfort is specifically a fan podcast where I, your wonderfully talented and fantastic host, talk about theories, upcoming seasons, theories about upcoming seasons, how much I love Emily Axford, how much I love Lou Wilson, and something else probably, I think. Now that I've explained very, very little of this podcast, let's jump right into the important stuff. The important stuff being, of course, Dimension 20. Uh, let's just jump right in- oh, wait, actually, spoiler warning for all current seasons and side quests of Dimension 20, including up until the finale of uh, A Crown of Candy, which is the most recent season. I'll try and remember to mention, like, what specifically I'm talking about, but just so you know, general spoiler warning for everything that I talk about, it's a Dimension 20 podcast, I'm gonna be talking about Dimension 20. Let's start off with Fantasy High. Fantasy High is the first and third season technically of Dimension 20. Uh, they started off with freshman year. We've got sophomore year now, Dimension 20 Live. That was so much fun. Loved getting to like hang out with people live and react with other fans in real time. Even if I do hate the live chat, it moves so fast. Everybody's talking all the time. It's just for someone with anxiety, it's a lot, but like I love getting to react with other people in real time. It feels really nice. I mentioned at the very beginning that we talk about theories and upcoming seasons and, most importantly, theories about upcoming seasons. This one isn't really a theory so much as it is a confirmation of sorts, but, you know, technically I'm not allowed to say it's a confirmation, but Andrew Brigman, the guy who runs the Dimension 20 account, the official one, did like a tweet I posted once about having a junior year and a senior year and a few years of college, so that's essentially a confirmation, right? Right? Anyways, let's talk about Fantasy High junior year, sophomore year, and freshman year. They're done with. They're over. We did that. Kristen created, like, four different religions. That's just kind of where we're at. So junior year, what do we want? What do we want to expect? What are we looking for in a junior year of Fantasy High? Well, of course, Kristen will create another religion because she's Kristen and that's just kind of what she does. But I was talking to some people on some Dimension 20 related Discord servers 
And we came to the general consensus that, like, we don't need another crown of candy on our hands. Like, these are high schoolers. We just kind of want another... Well, I was about to call it low-key, but I don't think anybody would ever describe fantasy high freshman year as low-key, quote-unquote. But something just a little bit more with that, like, comedy vibe, less high stakes. And I'm not saying that sophomore year was high stakes in the realm of Crown of Candy, because it wasn't. But uh, just something a lot more chill, a lot more like freshman year where the... It was more centered around Emville, more centered around Eggfort itself. Of course, this podcast is named after the Eggfort Ad- Adventuring Academy. Good morning, Eggfort. So I'm sure most of you have guessed that I am a huge Fantasy High fan. I am. I love it very, very much. It is probably my favorite of the three different seasons that we've got going on right now. Not that I didn't love The Unsleeping City and Crown of Candy. It's just that vibe of the high school and all of that and that's it was much closer to my personal like vibe <laughs> so yeah i think in general the fans are well i can't say i can't speak for all the fans but i think the people that i've talked to generally hoping for that more kind of low key season more in the style of freshman year than in sophomore year and a lot of people have been talking about this because you know we live in the cursed timeline and they can't record in person right now because of the uh COVID-19 coronavirus you know you don't want to hear me talk about this you're not listening to the podcast for that um but a lot of people have brought up and like pointed out that it would be a lot easier for them to do a season uh like fantasy high junior year as opposed to an entirely new storyline because it's characters they're familiar with it's uh people that they already know it's a universe that they're already very entrenched in and so it's a much easier pick for a a remote recorded uh season than like say a brand new storyline like something sci-fi or something in that vein uh, in the same vein of talking about, like, new seasons of Dimension 20, we did get a confirmation that we're getting a new side quest, and the trailer is coming out next week. I am so excited. I'm so ready. Uh, we've been theorizing. We've been talking about who's going to be on this new side quest. My personal vote, and I'm sure you already know this if you've talked to me, like, ever, is for a drawfy side quest. Can you imagine Nathan Yaffe facing off against Brandon Lee Mulligan, player versus DM. I'm just saying that I'd kill for something like that. And if you ask certain people, I have. Drawfee's side quest is weird because a lot of people, uh, well, not a lot of people, some people uh, would be a little bit confused as to who exactly would be on the side quest. So, of course, that would be the core Drawfee gang, probably Jacob, Julia, Nathan, and Karina. Those are the four hosts of Drawfee. And then my personal bet would be on having Caldwell Tanner on as well, though a lot of people think that they would have him on if they ever had uh, Jake Hurwitz on uh, for like a NADPOD sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, David, their editor, who's fantastic. Uh, if you've ever seen anything on the Secret Sleepover Society, which is Jacob and Julia's Twitch, David is fantastic. They're so funny. And I just think that having those six on a side quest for Dimension 20 would be absolutely fantastic 
My second pick, personally, for a side quest of Dimension 20 would be the Polygon Gang. If you don't know what Polygon is, it is a website slash YouTube channel dedicated to all things video games. It was, I believe, originally founded by the McElroy brothers, who have already been on a Dimension 20 side quest, actually. And the main Polygon crew, quote-unquote, consists of... Jenna Stober, Simone de Rochefort, Brian David Gilbert, Pat Gill, Clayton Ashley, those, those five are kind of the core gang, uh, and Pat Gill and Brian David Gilbert, Jenna Stober, Simone de Rochefort, they've already done a, not D&D, but a TTRPG called Cyberpunk on their YouTube channel, which they recently just did a three-part series of, which was so much fun, highly recommend if you have the time, go listen to it. So, you know, they've got, like, the TTRPG skills and experience, and then I just think that throwing Clayton in there would also be really fun. He seems to really enjoy this kind of stuff as well, and I think it would be super cool to have the five of them on, maybe with just somebody else from Polygon, Terra, possibly. And, of course, a secondary reason for bringing the full Polygon gang on, Brian David Gilbert has already worked with the uh, Dimension 20 cast, the core cast. Uh, he played... A character in a fantasy high live show uh again haven't seen that you should go check that one out it's the bell house live it's very funny it's totally worth it and as for whether or not that means that he will ever be in a side quest griffin mcelroy also did a fantasy high live show and then later participated in tiny heist which was the side quest with the mcelroy brothers in it so I'm not saying that we might get a Polygon side quest someday, but I'm saying that it's definitely possible. Now, going way back to the beginning of this conversation, before I got off on my tangent about the side quests, uh, Fantasy High Junior Year, which is the theoretical, theoreticals in quotation marks, it's pretty much confirmed at this point, third season of Fantasy High, which would of course feature the main cast, uh, which is Emily Axford, Brian Murphy, can't I can't his name is Murph it's not Brian Murphy it's Murph his name's Murph uh Emily Axford Murph Lou Wilson Zach Oyama Allie Beardsley and Shiobon Thompson of course with Brennan Lee Mulligan as the DM dungeon master game master whatever you want to call it and they would all be reprising their roles as the bad kids who are of course fantastic characters all around people I often see people say that Fabian Aramaeus Seacaster, which is, of course, Lou Wilson's character in Fantasy High, is Lou's weakest character, which I think is, first of all, the idea that Lou Wilson has a weakest anything is wild, and you're not allowed to say that. But also, Fabian, especially his arc in sophomore year, was just fantastic. Absolutely loved it. And I remember... Just recently, I'm going through and rewatching all of sophomore year just for the hell of it, because I have time and I don't do anything anymore, so that's what I'm doing with my time. And I remember in episode 6, uh, spoilers for Fantasy High sophomore year, by the way, episode 6, which is Pirate Brawl, which is, you know, you know which one it is, uh, people are going around and saying, like, uh, Lou has fully lost it. Um, that's a direct quote from Mr. Murph himself, of course, Murph Murphy. Uh, and I think Lou himself would never do something like this, but as a character choice, it is very, very in character. And 
Fabian may not be Lou's, like, best person. He's... <laughs> the, uh, he's not a person. He's a half-elf, of course. But, uh, he's not Lou's, like, most morally functional <laughs> character. But he is still a very good character. Uh, Definitely not nearly as fleshed out as Kingston Brown, but still, personally, one of my favorite characters. Of course, I personally would love to see Fantasy High Junior Year. I want to see more of Fig. She is, I was going to say by far my favorite, but I don't even think she's my favorite. Uh, she's just, I love Emily Axford. I think one of the things I said I was going to talk about in this podcast was how much I love Emily Axford and... Don't worry, I have a whole thing planned, just a whole segment dedicated to me talking about how much I love Emily Axford, so you'll get more of that. But I'm excited to see more of Fig and Ada if you're not caught up on Fantasy High sophomore year, of course, spoiler alert. Uh, Ada is the librarian from Leviathan <clears throat> who ended up coming along with the bad kids on their journey to the Forest of the Nightmare King and during... An episode which has a name, but I like to call Shrimp Heaven Now, the D&D show, uh, ended up confessing her feelings to Fig, and the two of them are now dating. It is a super, super cute relationship, not to mention, of course, the fact that it means that Fig is confirmed canon, uh, either bisexual, pansexual, some sexuality that is attracted to both men and women. It's great to have that. Uh... Ada is, of course, a black lesbian. Always super fun to have that in the D&D realm, of course. I'm not gonna... We've all we've all lauded uh, D20 for its... D20, of course, being Dimension 20. It's the shortened version of it. We've all lauded them for how much representation they put in, but it is just... Jeez, even just... <clears throat> I'm so sorry about my voice. Even just uh, Fig and Ada, the two of them... Is it Ida? I never remember. I'm going to continue to say Ada until someone corrects me. Uh, even just the two of them is more than a whole hell of a lot of shows can say that they've got. So just Emily Axford, Brennan Lee Mulligan, even just for Fig Ada, I owe you so much. So yeah, hoping for a lot more Fig Ada if we do get Fantasy High Junior Year, which at this point, I'm, like, pretty sure we will. I don't want to say that we're going to, because I'm sure somebody will correct me <laughs> if I do say that. But super hopeful. Would love to see a lot more Figata. Uh, going back to something that I mentioned earlier, I think I said that I didn't think Fig was my favorite character. That's because <laughs> I don't think I can pick a favorite bad kid. It is... It's just one of those questions that when you're super into a piece of media, it always gets asked, uh, who is your favorite character? And I think I've been asked this for the bad kids, and it's just like 20 minutes of me sitting there and thinking about each of them individually and trying to figure out if I like any of them more than I like the others. <laughs> Uh, I mean, of course, personally, I've always been very attached to Adine. She has, uh, I guess, spoilers for the end of Fantasy High freshman year. It's pretty much established in the beginning, though, that she has, like, very severe anxiety and panic attacks. And even just having a character that had mental health issues, let alone acknowledged mental health in any way, shape, or form, was just 
wow, it's just Shiobon Thompson again. I owe you so, so much for Adine. Uh, and I would, I think I'd say that Adine is probably my favorite. Uh, I have, I think I've said in the past that Riz is my favorite. I go back and forth on like a daily basis. Uh, I love, I love all of them very, very much. They are, of course, very different characters. I think a lot of them are much more similar to the actors playing them than some of the later characters. But then again, I think all D&D characters are very, very similar to the people playing them in so many ways that you don't even realize when you're making the character. Uh, now that we've spent plenty of time talking about Fantasy High Junior Year specifically, let's get into A Crown of Candy, which just wrapped up. I, damn, guys, I don't even know what to say. It was something else entirely. I cried a lot, several times, like, a lot. <laughs> there is no quantification for truly how much I cried at the finale of Crown of Candy. Um, I guess if you haven't finished Crown of Candy, uh, whether it's because you don't have Dropout or you don't have anyone to watch it now that it's uh, finished being uploaded live, uh, I'd recommend you stop here. I'm going to be talking about uh, spoilers for the finale of A Crown of Candy. Uh, first of all, massive shout out to the uh, Ziscord, which is shorthand for the Zack Discord for the Zakoyama stream Discord. We are technically supposed to be a discord that is based around Zach's streaming schedule, but that's not what we are anymore, so I guess we're just, we're the discord now. We're all about all things Zach Oyama, all things Dimension 20. Massive shout out to you guys. I love you very much. We were talking yesterday, uh, right before the finale, I think, about whether we thought it was going to have a happy ending and it is so hard with something like crown of candy which is of course by far the most emotionally like complicated season that we've had so far like i have cried at dimension 20 before definitely like end of the unsleeping city somewhere in the middle of fantasy high like when you know i i can't judge the emotional like relevancy of an event based on whether or not I cried at it. <laughs> but yeah, the finale of Crown of Candy aired last night, watched it live. It was, oh my god. Like I said before, we were talking about whether or not we were going to have a happy ending. I personally was like, there's no way that everybody is going to get what they want at the end of the day. There is absolutely no way that in this high stakes, high political intrigue sort of season that everybody is going to come out with a happy ending at the end of it. And Brett and Lee Mulligan, you've done it again. You've proved me dead wrong with that assumption. And, uh, okay, right here, spoilers, massive spoilers for <laughs> A Crown of Candy. If you haven't already stopped listening, please stop listening now. Uh, I just, the... Uh, the paper, the moment with the paper, and narrating that moment between, uh, honestly, not even just Saturina and Ruby, but Emily and Shiobon as people as well, was just absolutely insane in my mind. I was 
having a panic attack, honest to God, over whether or not they were going to both choose to trust each other. Um, of course, if you aren't familiar with The Prisoner's Dilemma, everybody screaming about it might have not made as much sense to you, but uh, just a quick explanation of The Prisoner's Dilemma and what Brennan had done with Emily and Shiobon, it is a very old philosophical question that is you have two prisoners and they can either choose to uh escape or i don't <laughs> i don't remember the exact you know what let's choose a easier example for me to parse uh which is the when they use the prisoner's dilemma in uh the adventure zone uh so your options are work together with another group or betray them and those are your two options in crown of candy they had the option to trust or to attack and they brennan acknowledged this i believe in the episode itself but it is always safer in the prisoner's dilemma to attack the other person because if you both choose to attack then it is a fair fight if one of you chooses to attack, you get the high ground, you get to attack, and, you know. <laughs> so, in philosophy, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, in philosophy, the theory is that it is always safer to attack, uh, which would have meant very, very bad things. It would have meant uh, PvP, player, player versus player, uh, and it was just this absolutely gut-wrenching moment of everybody in the live chat everybody like live reacting in their own servers just being like if they don't both choose trust everything is going to go wrong everything is going to go so badly if they do not choose to trust each other and so it is like a four five minute clip of brennan narrating this he hands a piece of paper to both emily and shioban and asks them to write down whether they have chosen to attack the other or to trust the other. And it is, uh, it is this gut-wrenching moment of just pure suspense and anticipation, trying to parse, like, just from Emily and Shiobon's reactions, like, what did they write down? What are they thinking about? What's going to happen next? And it is truly so such a testament to the ability of these players that Emily and Shioban both kept like damn near straight faces the entire time did not give away what they wrote at all and it <laughs> which is such a such a testament to them as actresses that they were able to do that but also just like please just give me a hint as to whether or not you have chosen to attack her or trust her it was such a well-done, truly a cinematic moment in this finale of Crown of Candy. Of course, if you've seen it, you will know that they both picked trust, and we ended up getting a very, very sweet ending with Saturina and Ruby, them choosing to finally accept each other as what they are, and that is sisters, and a great, great moment at the end where they're talking about, you know, uh, secret passages they're talking about the castle what candia used to be like uh where we ended on ruby going to the circus the circus that she had a flyer for at the very very beginning and it was just 
man, tears streaming down my face, fully sobbing the entire time. Everybody got their happy ending. Of course, we lost Jet, we lost LaPan, but we... It just was so, so good to have that in the back of my head that they all survived, all six of the PCs that went into the final band. It's not how that word goes. All six of the PCs that went into the final battle came out the other side alive and happy. And it was just, man, and it didn't feel like a forced ending. It didn't feel like Brennan was trying to say, and they all lived happily ever after. It felt like a very natural, but still very sweet and happy conclusion. And it felt really, really, really good to have that ending. Uh, Especially because there had been so much, like, bad stuff that had happened, and there was a lot of theories about bad things that were going to happen. Of course, people were completely and unjustifiably upset about the inclusion of Sasharina just, like, as a character, but I don't want to talk about that. That's been covered to hell and back, so not gonna bother talking about the hate that Emily Axford herself was getting. Of course, I think it was completely unjustified, completely unfair. I have no idea what kind of person has it in them to hate a character so strongly that they go after the actress playing them. I don't know. I don't get it. But yeah, just me hear me talking about um, the ending of Crown of Candy is making me kind of want to cry again. So let's take a quick break and I'll play some music because I don't have any sponsors. When we come back, we'll do a quick segment. you enjoyed whatever music I just played and now I promise you a segment and you're gonna get one and it is going to be about how much I adore Emily Axford because oh my god I love the core Dimension 20 cast they are fantastic actors they are amazing comedians they are so in so many different ways they are just amazing amazing people but Emily Axford has this unique ability to be, like, the perfect character for whatever she's playing. She is, first of all, not only an insanely, insanely talented D&D player, by and large, she is also this amazing actress. And I think Crown of Candy, again, if you came back after the music thinking that I wasn't going to be talking about Crown of Candy, whoops... Uh, I think, spoilers for Crown of Candy, by the way, uh, I think that Saturina, uh, which is her backup character, her secondary character, is just this insane, insane acting flex on Emily's part, because she didn't have to play a character like Saturina that was so, so, like, intertwined with the rest of the characters in this awful awful way like she genuinely like she had so much backstory with them and so much history that they didn't know about and I just think it's such a testament to Emily as an actor that she was able to pull that off so well um and I think especially because 
knowing what I know from things outside of Dimension 20, just, like, their Twitters and the adventuring parties after Crown of Candy, like, it is very clear that Emily and Shiobon Thompson, of course, played Ruby, uh, are, like, very, very close friends outside of Dimension 20. I think they've both separately referred to the other as their best friend. They are best friends, and having to make those acting decisions that Emily had to make playing opposite somebody who was her best friend, and having to make these decisions to be mean to her, to shun her, it is just such a testament to Emily as an actress that she pulled it off so well. Uh, and I, I love her so, so much. Her interactions with everybody at the table are always absolutely fantastic, always amazing always so professional and yet she's truly just such an amazing comedian we're ignoring that bit where she said ice to meet you she's in that one moment she wasn't as good of a comedian <laughs> but she is oh i love her so so much um and now we'll move on to doing something else maybe uh, and that something else is probably going to be talking about The Unsleeping City, which is, uh, of course, the second season of Dimension 20. It is the uh, New York-style <laughs> cheesecake. No, New York-centered season centered around this idea that there is a world of magic so intertwined with New York City. And it is... Goddamn, it is a good season. The world-building is top-notch. Shout out to Brennan for that one. Uh, I've already mentioned Kingston Brown in relation to Lou Wilson. What what a character from Lou there. Kingston Brown is amazing. Pete the Plug from Allie, of course. Trans icon. Love him so much. Um, Sophie Bikes from Emily. Also a fantastic character. Cug Rash from Murph. Awesome. Uh, Ricky Matsui, of course, he is my favorite himbo. Zach plays exclusively himbos, and it's great. I love that for him. And then, of course, uh, Misty, Misty slash Rowan from Shiobon, who is uh, just what an icon. Love her. Shiobon playing a character that was objectively kind of an asshole. So much fun to watch. Love watching her flex her acting skills like that. Uh, we're gonna go back on the topic of new seasons here, talking about The Unsleeping City, because there's been a lot of rumors started technically by Brennan himself, definitely fueled by him, uh, fueled by the Dimension 20 Twitter account, uh, of a second season of The Unsleeping City. I think a lot of people, me included, are a bit apprehensive of it, especially because, uh, and spoilers for the ending of The Unsleeping City here, Stop listening. Spoilers for the finale of The Unsleeping City. Uh, especially with the quote-unquote death of Kugrash, him eating the bagel and no longer being like a corporeal sort of entity uh, would mean that Murph would have to introduce a new character into a group of people that have already been like bonded together. And so I personally think that if they're going to do anything with The Unsleeping City, they're going to go back and do a prequel to it, or they would do all new characters in the same setting of New York City. This magical, sort of fantastical New York City. Um, I think that 
the reason that a second season of Unsleeping City gets so much, like, thought and talked about is because Brennan has, like, deliberately referred to the Unsleeping City as a whole as uh, TUC, that's the Unsleeping City, season one, which generally implies the existence of a season two. You don't typically call something a season one unless you're planning on having a second season after that, which means that a lot of people think that there's going to be a second season. Uh, and I mentioned already the idea of having a prequel, which I think would be a lot of fun. It is established very much so in canon that uh, Misty and uh, Kingston knew each other before the events of The Unsleeping City. Uh, Kugrash is, of course, uh, has been around for a while. Misty, Kingston, Kugrash are all much older characters. They are already very entrenched in this world of magic, whereas Ricky, Sophie, and uh, Pete are quote-unquote newbies. So I think... Excluding Kugrash, who I don't think would be included in a prequel, I think that there's a lot of uh, speculation theorizing in like the fandom itself that it would be a prequel involving Kingston and Misty and Alejandro, the leader of the uh, secret society that I'm blanking the name of. I was going to call it the Golden Iris, but that's that's not it. That's a reference to an entirely different thing. But yeah, I think, personally, I think it would be very cool to do a prequel. It's definitely not something Dimension 20's ever done. And I would just be super, super stoked to go back to the world of the the Unsleeping City. I think it would be super fun. Anyways, I think that that's going to do it for this first episode, the pilot of Good Morning Egg Fort. I am so excited to have started this. I hope that it gets... A lot of positive feedback on wherever I end up posting this. It'll probably be Spotify, uh, podcast apps, anywhere that I can do without having to pay a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, I am your host, Remy. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. You can follow me on Twitter at MapleKeens. That's M-A-P-L-E-K-E-E-N-E-S. You can follow me on Instagram at the same uh, handle. And you can follow me on Tumblr at maple dash keens that's the same handle as twitter and instagram except there's a dash in between maple and keens and if you're interested in following the podcast uh that'll be at gm eggfort that is g-m-a-g-u-e-f-o-r-t thank you so so much for listening to this if you did end up listening to it if you liked uh Give me a follow, give the podcast a follow, leave a like on whatever podcast platform this is on, uh, and just, like, hit me up. Hit me, Remy, the host, up. Tell me that you liked it. Uh, validation is the easiest way to get me to want to do more of a thing, and I am super, super excited to get to share this with everybody. Uh, also just wanted to give a special shout-out to Kayla Bella, that's uh, at ChungleDownBy on Twitter and tumblr i believe i'm not sure uh kayla thank you so much for doing all the music for this series uh it is so cool of you to do that for me thank you very much thank you so much for listening and try not to get expelled bye